0: You didn't know there'd be math on a Monday morning, did you? I
1: I had no idea. That's that's a terrible question.
0: Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. Welcome back to this episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. My guest today is Philippe Bishop with Alpenfire Cider. Philippe, welcome to the show. I appreciate you getting here early on a Monday morning with coffee in hand. So why don't you tell our audience a bit about your story first, then we'll go into Alpenfire. So how's that?
1: Sure. Um, yeah, I, my name is Philippe. Uh, I am co-owner of Alpenfire Cider. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I don't really know where to go from here. I, um, what? Okay. Well,
0: that's, that's a great intro. We'll just start with that.
1: <laughs> so how long have you been with Alpenfire? Um, Let's see. We, we planted our, started planting our trees uh, back in 2003, and I was okay. there for walking in front of the tractor and tossing giant boulders uh, out of our glacial till soil um, at that point. So, um, all right. Well,
0: I got to interrupt you because you <laughs> don't look like you were would have been old enough in two thousand and three to be tossing giant boulders.
1: How old were you? How old were
0: you back in in two thousand and three? Oh, you didn't know there'd I, be math on a Monday morning, did you? I
1: I had no idea. That's that's yeah. a terrible question. Um, uh, two thousand three. Uh, I was probably twenty three, twenty two, oh, something like that. You you look much younger. Oh. You look much younger. Okay. Okay. So I guess you could throw giant boulders back then. Okay. All right. Teasing. I was you. in much better, better shape then. I don't, I don't know. I do it now. <laughs> so back in
0: Oh three, you started planting trees. When did Alpenfire cider? Um, was that when you guys opened for business or when, when did, because you guys are one of the earlier cider makers in Washington state. And we'll Correct. get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. But so when did you guys officially open?
1: Uh, Roughly, it was kind of a multi-year process. Um, okay. Trees went in the ground first. We okay. then started experimenting. We officially opened to the public in like 2007, 2008, somewhere in there. Okay. Um, it just takes years to get trees going, you know. Sure. <laughs> and we went that that route instead of kind of. Um, just buying juice and, um, okay. that rep. So. so,
0: so, your co-owner, who the other owners are.
1: Uh, my parents, uh, Bear okay. and Nancy.
0: Okay. And they kind of have, I mean, publicly they kind of, their 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 introduction to cider is relatively interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was a, a long time kind of a, interest of theirs uh high school sweethearts actually like prom king and queen all these kind of (laughs) things you wouldn't know it by looking at them now or even back then Uh, but uh you know and uh they would sneak off up into canada when they were you know underage in the u.s and drink cider up there and you know fell in love with the the french stuff that they could find up there but also were like wow this stuff that coming in a big two liter plastic bottles is great also it's a great introductory and super sweet and fruity and so kind of got both sides of the cider world going um from the traditional french stuff and the more modern um adjunct driven kind of ciders and And then it was just kind of always in the back pocket of like, oh, well, we should, you know, it'd be great to start a cidery, you know, that'd be fun. And Mm -hmm. um, my dad was a wildland firefighter for many years. My mom owned a, a marine canvas shop in town. And all during all this thing, they, you know, it was always that back in the brain, like, oh, it'd be fun to do this. It'd be fun to do this. And, you know, it was roughly early 2000s they were like well why don't we do it they had a small piece of land um five acres in port townsend and they're like well we could just nobody's really doing this right now there was like two or three cideries in washington that they had known about and Mm -hmm. um they're like well it'll be fun it'll be a small little you know you know small farm project and (laughs) what could go wrong, you know, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Farming in. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, so just, just kind of took some cider making classes, went and toured, um, Spain, France, and England and, um, kind of just jumped in with both, both feet. And at the time I was doing, I, just finished up um i did about 10 years of wildland firefighting as well and i just kind of finished that and i was doing architectural salvage and i was like they were kind of it was just this weird mesh of like things meshing together i I don't know (laughs) um so uh, yeah
0: When were you introduced to cider? Did your, how, how did your, I'm going to guess your parents introduced you. So how did they introduce you to cider?
1: Um, well, we, they actually moved to Port Townsend to build a boat, um, was the initial thing. And so we built a sailboat. Um, I grew up on that, um, kind of through middle school and a little bit of high school. And then that's when we kind of got our chunk of land. And, but during that time of on the boat, we'd go sailing up into Canada and I was introduced to cider up there kind of in the same way where it was like super sweet. And Oh, this tastes like peaches with apple juice kind of. And this tastes like, you know, strawberries with apple juice and Mm -hmm. it comes in giant bottles and, you know, I was like in fourth or fifth grade, and just like taking little slip, little sips during dinner or something like that. And it's just like, this is really interesting. Okay. <laughs> and then as we started going um, and I became kind of legal to drink in the U.S., um, I fell into more of the the kind of craft beer scene in okay. Washington really enjoyed what was going on there. And so I was always kind of on the outskirts of it. And then started drinking um, ciders imported specifically from like the UK. And that's what really got me hooked Um, was this heavy, bittersweet quality of leather and tannins and um, farmhouse, just funky. And it was just like, this is such a unique drink and it, there's nothing like like it in the u.s and as we started to release ciders it was like oh this is where we're getting the influence from is these kind of producers from the uk and like france were heavy tannin driven um not so much acid driven like you see currently in the u.s but um yeah i don't know that's kind of where i came into it and Um, Ended up working for a a beer distributor for a couple of years, um, helping them with their uh, cider portfolio and doing warehouse stuff and sales calls and kind of learning that side of it. And then just kind of was like, well, we need a lot more help on the sales side. So I just went back to self-distribution and have been doing that since about two 2013, 14, 15, something like that. (laughs) Every year is blending together. I don't know. (laughs) It all blurs together. And then we had COVID
0: in, and you know, we don't know, we don't know where we are. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's it's somewhere in the 2030s, right? Is that where we are? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. It's Monday in 2030. Yeah. Perfect.
0: Where did my life go? Let's all right. Let's go back to when you decided you were going to plant trees on this parcel. What type of apples did you plant initially? And has that changed through the years or well, did it was you get it right we... the first time?
1: <sighs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it was a lot of, a trial and error in tasting of like single Mm -hmm. varietals and going, Oh, that's a really unique flavor in this, um, apple. And it's nothing like you can get from the, the apples that are so common in Mm -hmm. Washington. And it was just like one of those things where we're balancing, um, what we could get readily in Washington versus what, kind of nobody knew about in like classic cider apples. Give Um, me an example. Uh, for instance, like the Davenet, um, it's an English bittersweet, uh, cider apple. Um, you do a single varietal of it. Uh, it's really common to pick up like a melon flavor. Um, (laughs) uh, like a honeydew. I think it's a honeydew. Um, and like you'll get it with english dabinets, you'll get it on the east coast midwest west coast Mm -hmm. um it's just this amazing little thing that you pick up it and it it was like oh yeah well we can't get that in red delicious so the (laughs) dabanet is like one of the ones that we were like oh yeah we got to plant this so um we ended up planting a a dabanet um Filbery brown snout, uh, Yarlington Mill Kingston black, uh, Muscadet de Dieppe, and would you, Fox you
0: say Club. that three times fast? Muscadet de <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't catch that. I would have to slow that way down. What? What is? Let's talk about that one since I can't pronounce it. What's that one?
1: Um, it's an early season, um, bittersweet, um, and. Yeah, it, it, I don't, we've never done like single varietal trials on it. Um, Okay. But it is a kind of a, a, a key character in our, our pirate spike, which is the kind of our early season um, cider apple blend that we release every year. Um, Extremely dry yet still incredibly fruity and has this perceived sweetness in it that is Really unique. Okay. Um, it's an interesting apple because it gets really slimy as you press it. And it, it's not very kind of fun to work with, but it has the characteristics that we're looking for in a... Um, a okay. good bitter, bitter sweet apple. I don't know really where to go. You're not you're not selling that one. I mean, it's slimy to work no. with. I mean, you're just not selling it, but that's okay. It's it's
0: all good. <laughs> um,
1: well, but the trees do do they do um, they do well in our climate because they're. I mean, most of the the apples are in like northern France or southwestern England, which is roughly it's a very similar climate to what we get in like Western Washington. So Mm -hmm. very rain driven. um, And like a maritime climate. I mean, that's what, and us being. That was going to be one of my
0: questions is how, how these trees adapted um, to, to the seasonality in the weather up Because Port Townsend. You guys get some serious weather in there. I love Port Townsend. Port Townsend is a great place, but every time I go there, it seems like, it's supposed to be sunny today, isn't it? It's not sunny today. How come it's not? It's. We'll and get 10 minutes of it.
1: And it'll ten, be... Oh! That's why I missed it. I was only... Okay. 10 minutes.
0: On what day of July do you get that 10 minutes of sun so I can get there next time, will you? 15th.
1: It's always on my birthday for 10 minutes. It's always minute. on July 15th?
0: You get 10 minutes of sun for your birthday. Perfect. I love it. Well, when when the decision was made to plant these trees, where did your, I'm going to guess it was your parents' decision to plant these varieties at first. And they were taking and they were being trained. Where were they being trained at uh, for cider?
1: Um, we, uh, they had taken some classes through the Washington state university extension lab up in Mount mm-hmm. Vernon. Um, back when Peter Mitchell, a uh, 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 English cider maker was coming over um, like twice a year to the States to teach cider making classes. And, um, yeah, just kind of got wrapped up into it there and then did a lot of reading, um, like, uh, Michael Phelps, uh, holistic gardening, uh, orcharding was a Mm -hmm. big influence and, um, yeah, just kind of learning as we go and coming up with different, um, ideas to to adapt to our our situation okay um like deer are (laughs) a big problem kind of everywhere but Mm -hmm. um us being a small orchard we just we didn't want to invest in like a ton of fencing so we had this um i don't know if it's very common but it's it is a deer fencing that came from um what is it? Uh I think it's Wisconsin. And it's like eight feet tall and it blends in really well because it's all black, but it just kind of mm-hmm. disappears into the orchard. Um but it was all forested land before we uh started the orchard. It was kind of a okay. swampy forest of um like alder and cedar and maybe a little bit of fir in there. And mm-hmm as we kind of picked the area to put the orchard of where the, you know, we'd have good sun exposure and a good wind protection and everything. Um, all those trees that came down, we happened to mill up on site and that's what we built our whole trellis system with. And our fence is all wood that came off of the land. And, okay. um, I think that's a pretty unique aspect of, Nothing is really left. So,
0: currently, how many acres of apples do you have have in the orchard?
1: Just over an acre. It's all tightly espaliered, um, just shy of a thousand trees. Um, none of them are over seven feet tall. Um, okay. It's on a four wire system, and um, yeah, okay.
0: I don't know that much about trellis work and all of that. What I do know, and I'll tell you what I think I know. And you tell me if I'm correct and feel free to tell me I'm wrong. But when you work with a tree on a trellis, they tend to produce fruit a little bit faster than what I would think of as an apple tree, which is a freestanding tree that you could put a swing on when it's 40 years old. (laughs) Am I, am I correct that they can bear fruit? They they bear fruit faster. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was on the dwarfing rootstock. Um, a lot of that energy, you know, it, it, it's keeping that energy pretty low and supposedly the, the trees will have a shorter lifespan, but we're not, we're not seeing that just yet. Um,
0: okay. That was my next question or my next, my next belief is that the trellis trees don't have the lifespan that a, a traditional tree does, but you're not seeing that.
1: Yeah. I mean, okay, uh, they've been in the ground for, to 2019 years yeah three. thanks you're <laughs> yeah. I let you stumble early but you know now I'll help you out <laughs> um and we were always told like you know maybe 25 years for these um okay. dwarfing trees and just the only problem we're having is uh, the voles that are coming out of the forest are attacking the roots um, and the trees are still producing like crazy Um, and we're not seeing that drop yet that everybody, or that we have heard would happen with, um, that type of orchard. So, okay. Yeah. So, so,
0: all right. So you have about an acre of trees in production. Mm -hmm. Does that supply all of your apple needs or do you get apples from other
1: orchards? Uh, we definitely get apples from other orchards. Um, it supplies, depending on the year, um, it can supply anywhere from fifty to sixty percent of our okay. total production, um, which is still under six thousand gallons a year. Um, okay. And we work with uh, Rainshine Orchards down in south end of uh, Willamette Valley, um, who provide us with uh, our our red red flesh apple um early early red flesh uh hidden rose mountain rose all are this apple so it's kind of a multi-named <laughs> thing okay. um we also work with uh heirloom orchards in hood river and uh lazy jay orchards in like, neighboring us out in port Angeles, um kind of between squam and port Angeles. um okay. he's been the one that we've worked with the longest and Um, yeah, I know some of his land is being shifted more towards, uh, um, Christmas trees right now because it's such less work, which is a shame because he's growing some great apples and be a, a big loss for the peninsula. If we didn't, if we, if they kind of all went away, Mm -hmm. um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, we, our production is pretty small, so we don't right. go for, you know, <laughs> unless something really neat comes up. Um, we work with um, a Northwest mobile juicing that based out of Montana, who just kind of goes around to a bunch of different orchards and presses unique fruit. And mm-hmm. so we work with him and it's like, well, do you have anything organic that was really cool this year or really high bricks or tasted unique um Mm -hmm. and so we might bring some of that in kind of during the peak season um but our biggest thing is like well we're going to press once a year and once that once those apples are done we aren't bringing in anything out of cold storage we aren't going to do all that because the we feel the quality isn't there once it's you know it's kind of left the tree and Mm -hmm. um yeah, that's kind of, we're more harvest-driven than anything else, so.
0: Okay. When, <laughs> pondering which direction we're we going. <laughs> when you planted the trees, was the intention uh, to be organic from the beginning? hmm Or, and it was, okay. What was Absolutely. the rationalization to go organic? Um,
1: Just to the the state of the, american's food food system i mean everything is moving more towards um i don't know commodity and just not necessarily healthy for people and we found that um, even through all of its flaws the national organic program the n o p um is on a well has a good mission um mm-hmm balancing its flaws but you know (laughs) with corporate every every organization has flaws yeah and indeed um but it was mainly our ethos of like well we don't want to dump a whole bunch of chemicals on the ground to defoliate the the um you know leafy vegetation beneath the trees and if we do that then it, it it's just a a bunch of different <laughs> problems that can persist from there um and we've kind of gone the opposite direction where it's like low intervention with these trees has made them stronger um okay. where we've seen orchards that were conventional um and then they're like oh well now we're going to shift to organic and all those years of being conventional has kind of weakened the tree And, uh, those trees, um, they don't survive very well if they don't have all those inputs of, um, you know, high nutrients in the soil and yeah, just all the things to now they need all that to protect it, protect themselves instead of something like our process where it's like, we use fire as a, um, (laughs) as a pest prevention, um, like, Two or right. three times a year, we come out and um, literally burn um, under our trees, and that kind of keeps down the the um, leafy uh, um, weeds and stuff that can damage the tree. Um, we also found that our soil is so wet that it actually steams the underneath of <laughs> our leaves, and we'll see like all of these bugs and everything drop in from the underside of our leaves and we'll have birds flying in right behind the, the tractor that is burning them. And it's just a smorgasbord of, of cooked bugs for them.
0: Cooked bugs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And um, so then they immediately clean up all that, like right after us. And it's more of a, we're working with the ecological system than trying to fight it. And yeah. I
0: don't know. This Um, is the first time I've ever asked this question.
1: (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh.
0: How are you using a tractor to burn everything? Walk me through, explain this to me, because I'm sitting here and I've got all these, uh, you know, there's a guy in overalls throwing matches on the ground. There's a guy (laughs) with a flamethrower laughing and giggling. (laughs) I I don't think I'm right on any of these. So
1: what is the... You got two of them right. (laughs) That's right. Oh, I got two of them right. Okay. What did o- I get right? Overalls, yes. Um Okay. <laughs> bear is usually in overalls. Um and it is a type of flamethrower that he's using. Um it's just a big torch. Um that our trees, I mean, given our history of fighting fire fire wildland fires, we had um old fire shelters that were you can only use them for so many years. And so we cut them up and actually wrap the, the base of our tree in them. And, Oh, um, we use a propane torch, um, in a, a small, like riding lawnmower trailer that, um, yeah, we'll just pretty much be driving along, holding the torch on the ground and just kind of burning as we go and just kind of idle through the orchard. Um, it works for our scale. It's one of those things okay. that's like, it's a brilliant idea. It works really well, but kind of it anything It wouldn't scale larger, to 100 acres. Yeah, we yeah. couldn't really scale it without some kind of massive investment in uh, new technology kind of thing where okay. – um, yeah, I don't, <laughs> that's kind of where okay. we found. Right, well, um, but
0: see, here's the thing: this is everybody develops technology to the scale that they're they're operating at. Exactly. You don't need you don't need to have something, you know, too too big or too small. This is working. You guys have developed this, so let me. I'm going to repeat what you just said. What my brain heard: you have a guy named Bear wearing overalls, driving a tractor <laughs> with open flame.
1: Yes, that's you got okay, good. Okay, um, yeah, good. Okay, cool. <laughs> 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 You're like, why am I talking to this guy? <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Nailed on the first try. Jeez, <laughs> oh, go think. Um, yeah, we usually do it like two to three times a year and um, it works great. I mean, okay, there we go. Yeah. We don't let's go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's go
0: back in time to the first year when you guys started your first year of production with that, you know, making cider. All right. What was, what was that? What do you remember the first year to be like?
1: Not much, honestly. Um, I think at that time, geez, I can't even remember where I was at that time. Um, okay. I remember lots of carboys and lots of uh, just kind of tasting things. And, um, mm-hmm. we had, a an extra dry, which turned into our pirates blank and a bittersweet blend, which okay. turned into our, our kind of late season, um, estate blend, which is our Ember. And, um, yeah, I can't remember a whole lot, honestly.
0: All right. Well, you've, you mentioned early season and late season <laughs> a couple of times. Yes. In your in your opinion, describe the differences between the early season cider and a late season cider.
1: Um. So freshness.
0: Okay. So
1: think like. Uh, our, late, our ember, um, one of the descriptors I like to use in it is it's more of a, a mind picture or a picture in your mind of walking through an orchard, um, say in December, like early December, when all the apples have fallen to the ground and it's your, your nose is permeated with that smell of overripe apple okay um and that's kind of what that cider reminds me of is like a very late season like overripe well ripened apple with a big mm-hmm. tannic backbone um and just a touch of sweetness um well the our early season which would be more of our pirate's plank is going to mm-hmm. be it's going to be lighter on the palate um and like the acids are different it's going to be a little higher acid i wouldn't say it's high Mm -hmm. acid by any means but it it just slightly different um because most Mm -hmm. kind of early season apples like the kingston black are typically really well balanced so they have good tannins good sugars and good acids like higher acids um, then like the late season, which is good tannins, good sugars and lower acids. Okay. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's a different experience. Um, okay. it's hard to, to describe it that way. <laughs> All right. Um,
0: but so your first, yeah. your first year, basically the pirates plank came out of the first years. Yeah. Ex- experiments if you will okay definitely um, how did you come up with the name pirates plank
1: well it was a whiskey originally we're going to be called a uh, the whiskey plank and because it being be in port townsend wooden boat like mm-hmm. mecca um the whiskey plank is kind of the last plank you put on a, a wooden vessel um oh but the the TTB didn't like that as a name <laughs> on uh, <Who>? our labels <laughs> it saying whiskey know? um the tax trade bureau um oh, okay. and the, okay. uh, the 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 governing body for um okay. kind of labels and All right. um there's very strict things you can say on labels that um and, yeah, and that can't can say that-
0: that didn't get past the censors, if you will. Yeah, right.
1: because it said whiskey, and it was like, well, there's nothing to do with whiskey in this, in this beverage, right. and you can't say whiskey because the whiskey lobby might come after you. You know, all, just silly <laughs> little things. And um, gotcha. And so, yeah, we kind of stuck with a plank, and just it was just kind of like, oh, well, it's a pirate's plank because it kind of, you know, everybody, and it had the tagline of a it'll rob you of your misconceptions and because okay. everybody's conception of or everybody's idea of, of cider even today is like oh well it's sweet um you know it's that fall kind of drink thing that you it, it's just like it's the side dish to a main dish kind of thing it right um and we're like no that that isn't what cider is historically in most in you know um, across the world Um, here's our pirate's wine. it's extremely it has great depth to it Um, it's a really unique drink it can i mean anybody that likes a a farmhouse saison or something like that would really dig this cider and Mm -hmm. um so yeah it it just kind of came that with that tagline of like no, no, no. Try this. You want something dry? Try this. This will just will rob you of your misconceptions. Okay. Um, it's definitely come back to bite me a couple times where, you know, at festivals, some of the walk up and go, Oh, I want something dry. I'm like, Okay, just pour it. I've literally had somebody just it goes in their mouth and immediately came right back, hits my face. What? Um, Pre-COVID time, you know, it was, it was a lot safer oh, okay. back then. Safer, uh, and, <laughs> and, uh, she was just like, oh, I'm so sorry. What, what was that? And that it just like hit my tongue so weird. And, um, I wasn't expecting it to be kind of that dry. Is that our dry? And, uh, yeah, I was just like, Hey, try it. I poured her another cider that wasn't. Nearly as dry, and mm-hmm. she's like, "Oh, that's perfect." And I was like, "Yeah, that's, that's like a medium sweet, but sure." <laughs> so, um, yeah, <laughs> the kind of misconception <laughs> of of dryness is, is, is something, that we're still struggling with in, as an industry. But um, yeah, so
0: well, let's let's <laughs> let's pause there for a second because most of your portfolio is. "Quote unquote," air quotes here, dry, right? Uh, most, yeah, I mean, most. Okay, it's not, it's not super sweet. Not, you know. So how, how did you go about educating the market that this beverage, this complex dry beverage, is not like some treetop apple juice that you're accustomed to, <laughs> you know, uh, no offense to treetop apple juice, but you, you know, I mean, it has, there's, its it's, <laughs> it has its place. And so if, if somebody is accustomed to a cider that is more like that and you give them pirates plank and they spit it in your face, but well that's, that's not, that's, that's a tough sell, right? How do you, how do you, but how do you, how did you educate the palate of your customer?
1: That's taken years. Um, okay. And yeah, geez. Uh, it's lots of tastings and lots of talking about cider. I think, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, cider still hasn't kind of, we're still right in the coattails of many different beverage industries. And, mm-hmm. um, which I don't, I, we don't need to be. We're, we're a very unique beverage that needs its own designation. But yeah, it, it just took lots of... It, it. I hate to say it took lots of time acting like it's over. Because I feel like every seven years, it's pretty much starting over. Um, really? That's what it feels like. Like five okay. to seven years. So it's like, oh because a lot of my, my work is going in and talking to buyers specifically who I figure if I can give them the right information, they can disseminate that knowledge a lot easier than I can to all of their customers. And if I can get them excited about it, their customers will be excited about it. Um, and every five to seven years, I've seen a big, flip in the industry and it's like everybody that i worked on or had worked with is like oh yeah i'm moving on to something else and Mm -hmm. uh um or it takes a global pandemic like COVID (laughs) (laughs) that That definitely caused one too um Mm -hmm. um but yeah it was just lots of like going in and talking to people and just going listening to them what are you tasting okay i i understand that and it's like no it doesn't have brett in it um that's it you you might get that as you know from this type of sure and you know just kind of listening to people and um (laughs) just going yeah you might pick up some cheese in there that that's the you know quintessential kind of bittersweet character is it's like a, a blue cheeseness, I guess you could definitely pick that up, um, and yeah, just like educating them and going. That's correct. That's what you want. It it's not. It doesn't have to be just the the latest trendy flavor. Um, these are all flavors coming directly from an apple, um, and. It's like, here, why don't you try it with, with this chunk of cheese or, um, stuff like that, where it's like, (laughs) just try it with a little piece of, of, uh, charcuterie or something like that. And it really opens up their eyes or, um, especially people in like, um, bartenders are, will try this stuff and just be. It kind of blows their mind or really opens their mind a lot of times you get to see them their mind start clicking when they're like oh is he be like coming up with cocktails or something in their mind they're like oh what if it goes like you pick up a little bit of botanical note off of this cider and you're like oh well what if i blended it with this and um yeah i think okay. that's I don't know if that really answered your question, but <laughs> well, it, 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 see, it's it's um,
0: what little I know is that cider makers like like your you guys versus other cider makers, just yeah you know, yeah, smaller single variety. Approaching it differently and versus maybe a more mass market approach. Okay. Both, both are fine. Both. I think both have their place. Uh, I, I I don't have that educated of a palate, but I'll equate cider to like coffee. Mm -hmm. That really large coffee company in Seattle provided a, Great exposure for the for coffee to the marketplace, educated the public about coffee. And then all these small roasters went from there and did did their thing with it that you can't necessarily do in mass production. And you wouldn't buy a five dollar cup of coffee at your local Port Townsend coffee shop if it weren't for that large Seattle coffee company training you that you you can, <laughs> you know? And so it, it, it did a lot of good. So, but you, those smaller roasteries, and like I'm imagining smaller cider makers like yours, you have to educate, you have to share your products, you have to expose it and explain it to the public because if they're expecting it to taste like treetop, they're they're taken by surprise and you have to, you have to help them understand what they're tasting and appreciate those those tasting notes for sure and, and which brings me to you you know your your you have a tasting room
1: yeah very very and we have a tasting hallway with big doors a tasting open. hallway <laughs> well on your website it says room so is this misinformation <laughs> is your website <laughs> I intentionally lied on the w- website <laughs> a tasting hallway <laughs> if it's windy and cold out it's a tasting hallway if it's a um If it's a nice out and we open the doors, then it's an outdoor bar, outdoor tasting room. So is that for the 15
0: minutes that you have sun on July 15th that you open the doors?
1: (laughs) (laughs) They're very squeaky when we get that 15 minutes. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So it's open on the weekends or it's open on Saturdays. I should say mm -hmm. Um, from 12 to five. Um, We just opened it up again for the, the year, um, kind of marched through November ish. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, very laid back kind of grab a glass and just go sit at the picnic tables in the yard. Um, Mm -hmm. It's adjacent to my folks place. um, So it's, they're just kind of, (laughs) they're like, "Uh, I guess I'll close the curtains today. Kind of. (laughs) (laughs)
0: oh okay all right (laughs) (laughs) is it saturday again
1: (laughs) oh my gosh um well yeah that's how it we're
0: how is the public how's the public when they come to the tasting room what's
1: the
0: what's the sort of experience that you've you've had
1: there when
0: somebody pulls up
1: Everybody's great. I mean, for the most part, people are just looking to they, we're not open very often, so they're excited to make it when we're open. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of that. and then you know you you drive in our driveway and it's our cider house is a big large structure all made of wood, um, really nicely laid out, and it's like, like my folks' place is a log cabin so you're driving in you see the orchard to one side, you see this log cabin here and and this big wooden um, production facility and the, the, the tasting room doors swung wide open and
0: Uh, for that 15 minutes.
1: Well, yeah. And, (laughs) or it's raining and they just have to run in. And (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I think it, it draws in the kind of like, Oh, this is very serene. Um, Okay. And it's, rarely ever like super crowded so it's very peaceful more times than not there's like a deer walking through the the front yard and trying to steal your crackers or something um i mean we get bobcats we get owls eagles tons of ducks um it were were um jeez what is it called um yeah, it's just a, it's kind of a nature preserve. Um, okay. All right. So un- unfortunately, it's not super dog friendly, but, you know, we'll just ask people to kind of keep the pups in the car, and, but um, yeah, it's very, okay. very serene. I think that's the best descriptor uh, that I can have of, of our place. Um, okay.
0: And how long has the tasting room been? Oh, I mean when did you guys start the tasting where I'm going what is, with this line of questioning is how did you start selling your product at retail? Huh. What was the initial
1: and, um, uh, our tasting room, I think, I think it was maybe 2009 ish. Okay. And we, at that same time, we were like trying to do, um, farmer's markets and trying, we were just like spitballing, just throwing everything out there. and seeing mm-hmm. what kind of stuck um because by that time there was like i want to say maybe a dozen cideries that had started up in washington and we were all kind of getting together and like you know trying to figure out what, how to how to grow this industry and it was all mm-hmm. very um communal feeling and so we were all just kind of spitballing and working off of each other um the like Whole Foods was very responsive and brought in a whole bunch of local ciders. Um, Mm. And a lot of the local kind of beer bottle shops brought in a bunch. And that was kind of like the beginning of it. Um, And then you had, after that, then you saw the explosion in more of a national presence. And then like, Angry Orchard came on and had their massive sales teams go out and pick up all of these um tap spots pretty much like mm-hmm. bumping beer handles to put on more cider lines and that's what really like kind of saw a big pivot in the market and it was like it was amazing like that's kind of pushed it to that next level where we were all just like, what are we doing? And we need to get some shelf spots and, you know, chasing these, this minuscule amount of space that we were all given. And then having a behemoth come in and just like force every bar from a dive to like high quality eating establishment. Now everybody is familiar with cider. And we've all now kind of bumped Angry Orchard back off and it's all shifting a lot more towards like local producers, um, at least in Washington is what I'm seeing. Um, mm-hmm. And we're really lucky, especially in Washington, have most places are have adapted to up to like two or three of their draft lines to cider. And they'll have like a high-end cider line like us where – our cakes are pretty expensive to a um, more of a, a pint style cider and um, lots of flavors, adjuncts, and just more mm-hmm. of the modern cider take. Um, so it has that balance of like helping the customer understand, Oh yeah, there's kind of two different worlds and you know, try them both. And so, yeah, it's. I think I went off on a different tangent there. I can't
0: remember. No, you you, you 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 did, and you didn't. See, I, my my question wasn't very well thought out. First off, I was asking when the when the tasting room was opened, but I also wanted to talk about how you guys brought the cider to market. So you started as what I'm hearing from a lot of people is farmers' markets,
1: yeah,
0: and then small distribution, yeah, and uh,
1: definitely tried that. Yeah, um,
0: do you? do you know the do you know the family that runs um Union Hill cider in east Wenatchee?
1: uh we've we've met a couple times okay. but not um really nice people
0: and I was talking to um Andrew <laughs> and he's a he's a he, he's got his pilots license okay and so he, we were talking, and he said, "Yeah, it flew over from Wenatchee to Cleelum to deliver cider to a, a local a bar in, in in Cleelum." I said, "Well, that's not really exactly you know you know economically viable, but it sure sounds like fun." And he's like, "Yeah, you know it was, but see, that's how you know they're 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 solving the distribution the way they're solving it. I mean, you know, they're they're they." I won't say flying because that sounds like they do it more often, but they have flown cider and (laughs) they delivered it by air.
1: um, It's definitely. Yeah.
0: Especially when you're small,
1: it's like every account that you work with is. You view it as something special. So there's been times where I'm like, you know, uh, Cause most, all of our draft is stored out in Port Townsend. So I'm like scheduling trips, going out there and then driving back and then delivering on this side of the, on, in Seattle. And it's like, go out there, pick up what I thought was everything, driving back, get on the ferry, come back. And I'm like, oh, I forgot that order. Turn around, get back on the ferry, drive back out, <laughs> do that trip over and again. And it's just like, I can't, I can't, you know. I don't want to mess these people up because I'm not getting them their order because they can just as easily go to some distributor and because we're self-distributed. So it's just like, yeah, they can just as easily, you know, call up one of their reps who will have it there in no time, but they have chosen to go with self-distribution, which is always a risk. And
0: yeah. So So you're, you physically are based in the Seattle area.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, that's where I live. And then back. So one of the between... things that was
0: confusing on the website was you guys were doing deliveries in Seattle. And I'm like,
1: Oh yeah, that's me. So I, am I'm, oh. I'm out on the peninsula once a week and, okay. Um, and then, yeah, I'm out on the road kind of delivering um, a couple times a week. So
0: at the time that we're recording this in late April of 2022, where are some places that your ciders are available to the public in in Washington?
1: Um <laughs> not many. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh you down in Tacoma, um, you'll get like Tacoma Boys, Peaks and Pints, um, and like incline cider house, um, kind of working our way up. You get like Slowboat Tavern over in Hillman City. Um you get um like some uh geez in west seattle you get like best of hands brewing you get a uh, beverage place pub um good society brewing um and then capital hill you get like capital cider and um lesche you get like leche market and uh now I'm thinking on the east side, you get like Redmond Whole Foods and um, Kirkland Whole Foods, uh, Whole Foods Roosevelt. Uh, yeah, I'm just kind of bouncing around here. Right. right. <laughs> um, do you do you do anything east of the Cascades? No, we don't. Not right now. Um, I do. Okay. I do mainly. Bellingham to Tacoma, is okay. Just because everything. It's that that shift. It's that thing that I brought up earlier where it's every couple of years, a buyer will move on. And for Mm -hmm. a company like us, where we're at that upper end of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. a new buyer coming on, unless they have a relationship with either me or our brand personally, they will most likely axe um, the highest costing thing to make it. It's like, oh, yeah, we've got rid of the, the high cost stuff so we're gonna um okay. definitely seen that with some grocery stores too where it's like oh new buyers or oh we gotta make room for more seltzer so we're gonna axe the high end stuff and it's like oh great <laughs> well
0: no no. when we talked on the phone before, before we sat down to record this I'm wondering if you couldn't maybe swap out your hot piss and vinegar for <laughs> <laughs> sorry we we got to talk about that that was i'm just wondering you know if, if they want to cut the high cost can you swap can you can you sell that to them
1: that was a I'll, one-off I'll, <laughs> I don't okay so I'll, <laughs> so all no, kidding aside yes yeah, let's
0: let's Please recap that story for me and for the audience this time. Cause that was, that was really funny and I know um, we'll enjoy this.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, so um, being in Port Townsend, um, we had the opportunity to take part in uh, possibly one of the best um, tasting experiences anybody could have. In the brewing world, um, it's called Strange Brew Fest out in Port Townsend, um, kind of early February every year, um, pre pre COVID, and uh, it's it's a wild ride. Like anything anything goes here. Um, don't expect your normal IPAs. Don't expect your your you know just a barrel aged stout. Don't don't expect expect the unexpected. I think that's what. <laughs> the strange brew fest is is all about and it's just all about like community Mm -hmm. and just growing that that beer community um years ago i can't even remember what year it was uh yeah we were just trying to come up with some fun things and we we had we were making vinegar at the time and um we were like oh well we can do this what about doing like a, a like a spicy shrub thing and and serving it warm and we could we could call it hot piss and vinegar and uh well, that's what we did we brought a crock pot crock croc, brought um a crock pot crock pot in see i can i can say muscada de up but I can't, yeah. I can't say crock pot <laughs> 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 and so we're just like, ah, oh, well, yeah, let's let's do the hot piss and vinegar, and we can do, um, I think we called it, what did we call it? ISIS at the time. I, I probably wasn't the best name, but it it was like, <laughs> is it cider? And it was a whole bunch. It was a cider that tasted like hot tamales, and I mean, it was weird. It tasted exactly like hot tamales. It super strange, and so we were like serving these to ciders side by side and uh uh, yeah definitely got some really weird responses from the hot piss and vinegar
0: but nobody spit it in your face
1: it's true but um (laughs) i didn't serve for the whole night so maybe okay maybe Um, (laughs) um and uh hot tamales did extremely well i mean the the lines for the these beverages were insane and um i ended up going home a little early like i think it was like 11 or something like that and i think it pouring went on to one i can't remember again years ago right. brain, brain fog and uh so the the folks that were pouring for us call us at really early in the morning and they're like hey um we just got like second or third place people's choice and it was all about how many tickets we had brought in and to my knowledge we're still the only non-beer person that has ever brought home the medal from strange brew fest <laughs> wow. and it was from that year of hot piss and vinegar and hot tamales so i guess there was something about it about those those two then <laughs> <laughs>
0: So needless to say, I don't see those on your shopping cart on your website. I just, I'm not seeing those available. Those
1: are very, very special one-off releases that I have uh, intentionally left off our website. (laughs) All right.
0: Well, let's, let's talk about, I'm going to, okay. This is, this is going to be a tough question. And there's no wrong answer, by the way.
1: 42. No. Done. We can drop
0: the mic. We're done. (laughs) what's your personal favorite of your of your of Alpen Firesider?
1: depends on what i'm doing or okay. what i'm eating um okay Jeez. uh so um easter i made like a a small ham for my family and i and just you know something fun but afterwards mm-hmm. of course there's leftover ham made like a ham sandwich and had our, our davenet with that ham sandwich. And it was fantastic. Um, you know, one of those kind of things where it's just like it's simple food goes really well with these kind of rustic ciders. And, uh, but if I'm just like cracking a bottle, it's most likely our pirate's blank. Okay. Um, it's kind of my go-to, uh, it's our, our flagship cider um Mm -hmm. and yeah it's just super dry it yet still like fruity and it has great like leather qualities to it it's got a touch of salinity that being where we are like we are we're i want to say 250 feet above sea level and um pretty much right on the bluff of overlooking discovery bay so we have a lot of that kind of fog rolling in maritime influence. Um, It's kind of Mm -hmm. permeated the soil. It shows up like that, that saltiness shows up in our ciders and it's really fun to, to taste. (laughs) So um, yeah, I think those, I mean, it really just depends on what I'm doing.
0: Okay. Um, What's another good food pairing? What, what else? When we talk about, you know, cider and pairing it with food. So let's say you, let's say I invite myself over and you say, all right, I'm <laughs> going to sit down with Scott. Since he invited himself over, I'm going to, I'm going to show him what's what. What would you pair with, say, your Northern Spy?
1: Um, Northern Spy. That one's very, it's mineral driven. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think what
0: we already got debonate with the ham sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> sounds, sounds just fine to me.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to remember what I had. Um,
0: oh, well, let's, let me, let me, let me approach it a different way. I'm going to throw out some food choices. You, you give me a pairing.
1: Okay. You know, uh, so, so, Okay, Northern Spy.
0: hmm
1: I was thinking, like, Lay's potato chips, maybe some mushrooms, and sesame noodles. Interesting. Um, okay. All things that I think would go well with, it's a very light and crisp cider. You don't want anything okay. overpowering it. Um, I think that the saltiness of the Lay's, the earthiness of the, the mushrooms, and just that kind of umami flavor of the, the noodles um, all would be very complimentary to the, the Northern spy. I think that's. Okay. Um, what do you yeah. have
0: that would hold up, say against a steak or not against that's, you know, it's not, com- but what would, what would be a good, you know,
1: um, I would do something a little more bold. uh I, spike might actually hold up to that but I would maybe lean more towards uh our our ember which is a lot more okay. tannic driven um yeah or maybe yeah that's what I would do probably ember um okay just because the the tannins in it uh, yeah maybe oh, yeah. Our, our cinders, yeah. which is our our method Champenois. um -hmm but that would be different on different aspects of like that. That has like really nice crisp acidity to it. Great bubbles um, that would definitely cut through the fattiness of a steak. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One thing on your on your cart that just seems a little out of place to me is this Calypso barrel aged fruit cider. <laughs> just seems a little. Just seems a little. <laughs>
1: why Uh, yeah it was definitely so in my interpretation of cider um strictly my own interpretation is (laughs) cider is made from apples harvested at their peak ripeness pressed and fermented and then let left to mature throughout the year with no (laughs) nothing else added to it i mean might add some fermentation aids you, you know just Mm -hmm. a very i think apples have so much to give that we don't need to be adding a lot to it to make a very special beverage and same with like pears Mm -hmm. pears like are kind of the same in the same boat Mm -hmm. um in the modern cider world it is very common to use kind of cheap very cheap um just commodity, you know, overgrown apples, some might say, or okay. I would say, and right. add whether they be local ingredients or like you know, or just fruit concentrate. Um and to make something uh fruity and almost mask the the, the apple character. Um all right that That's definitely more of a modern take of of cider. I mean, it's been done forever, but it's there's been no industry that is based off of an adjunct that is added to a base product like a wine sure, they' all they've always had wine coolers. they've always been there one way or the other. like fruit wine has always been there, but it wasn't what the the perception of wine was built off of. I mean beer it okay. always had it's kind of weird adjunct brews, but it was always a a lager and an ale as long as they were well made. Um, That's what the industry is built off of. Um, I mean, like whiskey, the industry wasn't built off of a peanut butter whiskey. (laughs) It was, (laughs) it was built off of just a really nicely distilled and aged product. Um, (laughs) And so,
0: Amy, are you telling me that like candy, can, uh, cotton candy, vodka's not. <laughs> nah,
1: that's, what? that's vodka. That might have been what it was.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, okay. <laughs> um, Sorry, I just derailed you there. Yeah, in my interpretation, I think to build an industry, you start with the most basic ingredients and. Um, so that's been our interpretation of, of cider making. Is like, hey, if people really want to drink and enjoy cider, they should drink and enjoy the the base product of of cider, and that is the apples, not mm-hmm. not hibiscus habanero uh huckleberry, you know. That that's that's a cocktail. That's not necessarily what Cider is in mm-hmm. my eyes. Um, and, but it is what's driving our current market. It is hands down. It's what's selling. It's like majority of the volume is that kind of innovative. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put big, big quotations um, around that word innovative and it's what's pushing the market. And we are like, well, mm-hmm we have to do something to stay relevant. And, um, my wife really liked blackberries still does. I mean, sure. And I was like, well, what is, so we were trying to think of something that, that would, um, be kind of hand in hand, uh, a shadow of Pirate's Mike mm-hmm. and being, we were trying to think of another one to be ocean themed in our labeling mm-hmm. and we're like well you can do something like calypso came out and it's like yeah that, that works with the name um so we were thinking blackberries because being in the northwest they're <laughs> easy to get <laughs> and <laughs> yes. um we typically use like a um pippins like a newtown pippins in them And that's very commonly grown, um, nice heirloom apple. Um, and we're like, well, it'd be fun to do something with barrels and just see how it goes. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I just happened to run into, um, the folks from bull run distilling down in Portland, as we were kind of coming up with this, this cider. And they were just releasing their barrel aged, um, rum at the time and it was just like kind of serendipity talked to them they were like oh yeah we don't really deal with the home brewers and I was like no no no, here's my card'm I'm, I'm with the cidery and they're like oh yeah come on down we'll we'll hook you up with some barrels and um so we just kind of did that and <laughs> it's 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 definitely one of our <laughs> it's within our top three selling ciders like um it's just one what is it i think cider craft it just won like a double gold or something um last year it was featured for four months um three months at canless restaurant um and so it's i don't know it's one of those i i love to hate it. <laughs> okay. But it, okay. I, that's fair. I deliver more of that cider than I do. I mean, it's pretty close with like Pirate's Blank. They, they're they both in 500 okay. mil and they, they move pretty similarly. Um, okay. But it's amazing how well it moves. And I do a lot of work promoting Pirate's plank and I do no work promoting that other cider. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> So
0: let me, let's, let's, let me, let's shift some gears here real quick. So when you're not delivering or forgetting and having to go back (laughs) (laughs) and when you're, when you're, you know, um, what do you drink when you're not drinking cider?
1: Um, usually beer. Like, um, okay. It depends again, what I'm doing. Um, I typically have uh like a pilsner, um some kind of craft pilsner in my fridge, um or like a a farmhouse some kind of farmhouse 750 in my fridge. there the two kind of common. Um okay. yeah, IPAs if I'm out working in my shop. Um yeah, I, I don't know I I tend to drink, drink beer. I also really enjoy wine. Um, uh, Bourbon and scotch are big fans. Um, I've recently, we did a small barrel project with a big gin distilling, um, here in, Mm -hmm. and, um, kind of really have been really enjoying their gin recently especially their um their peated gin is is out of this world good <laughs> um okay. it's one of my favorite drinks just a kind of evening touch of ice in it and just a shot of um that specific gin is is a okay. go to um
0: now during our conversation today, I keep seeing you drink from this gallon-sized container of coffee. <laughs> Kidding! It's not. It's not a gallon.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, coffee. Um, I typically there's a a roaster called a Seven. Is it Seven Roasting? Seven. I can't remember exactly where, where are they.
0: Um, Where are they based out of?
1: I think they're in West Seattle, actually. Okay. Um, But I, I initially had their stuff up on Finney Ridge when they were up there. And that's just my, okay. the, the beans that I, it's my go-to kind of, um, okay. I used to do. I'm a, always
0: looking for, you know, good, good coffee. Yeah, for always. sure.
1: Um, I did a bunch of, I used to do a, a bunch of work with a, a group called the Surfrider Foundation. And mm-hmm. we had a bunch of meetings like they offered up their space to, to us to to hold our our meetings and so I kind of that's where I was introduced to them um and yeah I uh, that's your and uh, if I'm just okay so yeah that's their seven coffee roasters is kind of my my go-to yeah, seven, for my seven coffees my beans mm-hmm. when I'm at home. Um if I'm going out and just grabbing a cup on the road, I usually swing by like Cafe Ladro or Lighthouse, um, mm. depending on where I am. Solid. And solid. Um Yeah. Okay. Or seven so eleven. You're not drinking. You know,
0: <laughs> 7-Eleven. Yeah. Well, you got it's you're you're keeping it with a the theme. Seven, seven Eleven. Okay, well, I can I can respect that. You know, and, and especially if you tell me you're putting in the you know three of those packets of you know artificial creamer to to, to oh, add some yeah. character.
1: It's like that, that you know the old graveyard when you go to a, like a fountain sodas so you, you just get all the creamers and just dump them all in like one of each flavor. you Just top it off. It's like great. Oh God. Oh <laughs> It, that may be the innovative. most disgusting thing i've
0: heard <laughs> may be the most disgusting thing i've heard on this show so far oh my god <laughs> that's awful <laughs> and i i tip my cap so when, you, <laughs> when you're not doing cider, what, what do you like to do for fun what do you and the family <sighs> like to do for
1: fun and excitement oh boy um i i've so i've got a nine-year-old and a three-year-old And they just, they, they keep us running. Um, uh, My, my degree is in uh, photography, like specializing in like nature, landscape photography. I really enjoy doing that. Um, Haven't had a lot of time to do it recently. Um, I I dabble in like social, uh, uh, graphic design and it being more of a hobby right now, I kind of still enjoy doing that um mm-hmm. uh geez used to well what are, what
0: are the three and nine-year-old into what are the three-year-old and the nine-year-old into What are, what's fun for them
1: um actually i just getting all of our bikes tuned up for the summer um okay just uh yeah <gasps> got my old bike all tuned up got my my daughter is like in between bikes so i I'm trying to move her up into a bigger bike and move my son to her old bike. And it's like, they're both at that stage where their feet could barely touch the larger pedals. (laughs) So it's like, all right, perfect timing. (laughs) Um, but looking forward to doing some, some bike rides this summer. All right. And, uh, yeah. Um, that's, I really enjoy being, out in the woods away from people. So the more time I can do that, the better. Um, okay. Yeah. But usually right. my, my getting away from people is unfortunately in the van on the road. So <laughs> <laughs> surrounded by people in our own little boxes. Right. right. <laughs> Polluting as much air as we can. Right.
0: <laughs> there you go. So what didn't I ask you that I should have?
1: Um, Let's see. Um, so yeah, um, going back to organics a little bit, okay. we got our first certification in 2005. Um, we were the first, we were the second certified organic cider in the nation. Um, first west of the Rockies. Um, still one of only a handful that are out there. Um, and that kind of comes down to, it's not just, you know, certified organic apples. It's also, we have to have everything processed organically, um, a lack of fermentation aids you know, like in our, our blends. Um, you know, it's a multi-layered kind of thing. Um, it's definitely been a, a feather in our cap, but also a big hindrance, um, to our growth, I think it's a lot of, lot of extra work that, Uh um, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. I think that's pretty close to about it. Um, it's been interesting just seeing how the industry has grown. Um, I think on our phone call I had mentioned that it was like 115 cideries. I revisited that number and it's um I on that number I had included a bunch of wineries and breweries that I knew were making cider as well. So I if I reduce it down to like 90, that's it looks like it we're about 90 cider producers in Washington. Wow. Um which is pretty huge I mean for industry still being pretty young and um yeah not we're not talked about a whole lot which is kind of weird like in the you know the food and wine and the the all that kind of magazines um they seem to forget about our side of the industry and prefer to talk about seltzers for some reason um (laughs) yeah
0: where can people find where can people find out more about alpine fire on online
1: um best let's see our website um Alpenfiresider.com is okay i try to keep it updated as much as possible um uh next up would be probably our instagram which is again just search Fire cider um we're on facebook we're on twitter um but they aren't updated super regularly um it's kind of just my my folks and i and neither of us really like doing it (laughs) we occasionally Uh (laughs) um toss on some stories or some pictures but it's like you know when when you're working you're just kind of are focused on working instead of going oh i should take a picture of this and then right (laughs) yeah i mean mean, that's
0: Um, that's isn't that the uh the challenge of of all of all small businesses is oh i didn't realize i needed to keep my entire career uh, instagram ready yeah and, and <laughs> constantly be you know photo documenting the me living my best life
1: yeah i didn't realize people wanted yeah. to know that <laughs> um they figure so but i think i think uh our big news is we are we are planning a a tasting room in seattle and oh um just something small and just kind of easy to manage and just give people a little bit easier chance to find us um
0: Uh, not trying to put you on the spot but when when is that how far (laughs) out in the horizon is that
1: uh probably early next year is what okay i mean i was gonna try to get it done by this year but um with what I've heard about how, you know, getting everything cleared with this, the city, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, building anything right now, a build out would probably set me back quite a bit. So, it, I'm guessing mm-hmm. early next year is what I'm. What I'm okay. You know, fingers crossed, shooting for um probably South End, uh, West Seattle, Soto, Hillman City, maybe Burien, somewhere. Uh, columbia city something like that and yeah good neighborhood feel
0: gotcha Um, okay yeah that's very good um well i will wrap this up by saying thank you for taking the time to sit with me today and and talk about alpine fire and hot piss and vinegar and just Never thought I would be talking (laughs) about that or mixing all the creamers together. I mean, we've really covered the gamut of, uh, of topics here today.
1: Hey, It's innovative. Uh, (laughs) Innovative. (laughs) I, uh, (laughs) yeah, innovative.
0: (laughs) But again, thank you for taking the time. And, uh, I'm looking forward to keeping an eye on you guys and seeing what's, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing this tasting room, uh, yeah get launched Oh um, um, you know
1: let me know when you when you're on this side of the the mountains and we'll uh get you some cider
0: i will take you up on that <laughs> so <laughs> all right thank you so much thank you <laughs> thanks for having me